This is the Everyday Christian Podcast, coming to you from the Beacon Church of Christ in West Monroe, Louisiana. Here's your host, Chase Green. Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 11 of the Everyday Christian Podcast, where we remind ourselves that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. So we encourage ourselves to live as everyday Christians. This is, as I said, Season 1, Episode 11. We are on the second lesson of our series, Casual Christianity or Dedicated Discipleship. Last time we talked about church attendance, and we want to talk about a similar subject, if you will, talking about fellowship for today's episode. Are we dedicated disciples for our Lord Jesus Christ? Are we continually picking up our cross daily and following him? as he has commanded us in his word? Are we zealously following him? Or are we lukewarm? Could it be that we're indifferent, that we are spiritually stagnant, that we are, in essence, casual in our faith? Well, in this series, we're discussing how we can be more on fire for the Lord, how we can truly be dedicated as disciples of Christ. Again, last time we discussed the topic of church attendance, and this included reading Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. I'd like to go ahead and read that again. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 24. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Now, I want to highlight verse 22, which talks about considering one another. And we need to understand that we as Christians certainly should be considerate of one another's feelings. We should be considerate of one another's spiritual growth. And we should certainly try to impact one another for uh, the purpose of helping one another grow. And we also should be considerate of coming together, assembling together, as the next verse says. And when we do so, Doing, it, doing so in such a way that we provoke one another to love and good works, which Hebrews 10.24 talks about. In essence, we are to help one another to be more loving Christians, to be more beneficial Christians in the sense of promoting good works in our community that will lead to souls being pointed to Christ, and so on and so forth. So when we consider that we need to consider one another, and to provoke one another to love and good works. My question today for you is this. How can we do that if we do not properly fellowship one another? And the answer to that, of course, is really we can't do a very good job of it if we're not fellowshipping one another properly. I want to look at this topic of fellowship today in three different perspectives. First of all, we're going to notice fellowship between us and God as Christians. And then we're going to notice fellowship with the world and how we ought not have fellowship with the world. And then we will notice fellowship with our fellow Christians. First, let's discuss fellowship between us and God. And in order to do that, we're going to read 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, John writes this, That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled 
of the Word of Life. Notice capital W, the Word of Life. John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, discusses the Word that became flesh, and that's Jesus Christ. Well, now John is writing this epistle discussing the fact that he as an apostle and the other apostles had seen clearly Jesus Christ. Described here as the Word of Life. Verse 2, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. We have been shown very clearly what we need to do to inherit eternal life. We must believe in Christ, John 3.16. We must repent of our sins, Luke 13.3, Acts 2.38. We must confess Christ, Romans 10.9 and 10, Acts 8.37, Matthew 10, 32 and 33, and we also must be baptized into Christ. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and following, Colossians 2, verses 12 through 14, Acts 2, 38, Mark 16, 16, Galatians 3, 27, Acts 22, 16, 1 Peter 3, 21, and literally on and on I could go, uh, listing examples of verses that clearly teach that we must be baptized in order to be saved. There's a reason I listed more verses for that particular step in the plan of salvation, and that is because most of the religious world around us today, denominations, they deny the necessity of baptism. And that's very sad because the Bible is very clear that baptism is necessary for salvation. Again, just look at all those verses that I mentioned, and you'll see it very clearly. So we've got to do that to be saved. Well, God has made it very clear. If you read your Bible, you can find out exactly what you need to do to be saved. And that's kind of what John is talking about here in verse 2. And then he says in verse 3, that, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. Notice this, fellowship with those apostles John's talking about. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. If we're Christians, not only do we have fellowship with one another, but we also have fellowship with God. Here it says God the Father in His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Well, if you have fellowship with God, and if you have fellowship with followers of God, then certainly you can have great joy knowing that. This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say then that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If we say that we have fellowship with God, if we say that we're Christians and we're really walking in darkness, the opposite of God because God is described as light, if we're walking in darkness, that is sin, wickedness, then we don't have fellowship with God. We are lying, in fact, the text says here. Well, incidentally, the idea of once saved, always saved is false. And there are many people who believe that, but this text and many other texts flat out do not teach the idea of once saved, always saved. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. That is, we have fellowship with God. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. That is a wonderful, comforting thought. If we continue walking in the light, then his blood will continue to cleanse our sins. Now, if we do sin, what do we have to do? Well, God's word requires that we repent of it and confess and ask God to forgive us. 
Acts chapter 8, an example with Simon the sorcerer, would be a good example for you to look at regarding that. If you are a Christian, if you have obeyed the gospel, then Jesus Christ's blood cleanses your sins. If you sin again after becoming a Christian, then you must repent. Confess that to God and ask him to forgive you, which is exactly what the uh, Simon the sorcerer was told to do there in Acts chapter 8. So we have this wonderful comfort, comforting verse, verse number 7, 1 John chapter 1. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. We are human beings and we make mistakes, don't we? If somebody ever says to you, well, I don't ever sin. In fact, there's an old song, I think it's from the 70s. Um, trying to remember the name of it. Um, the Spirit in the Sky. You may have heard that song. And one of the lines in that song is uh, something, he says something like, I'm a Christian and I never sin. Well, that's not the case. That's not true. Uh, Christians do falter from time to time. They do sin from time to time. And just like Simon the Sorcerer, when they sin, they are commanded to repent and ask God to forgive them of those sins. So if somebody ever says he has no sin, he's deceiving himself, and the truth is not in him. Verse number nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Well, who's the liar? God's not the liar. We're the liar. We try to make God out to be a liar. If we say we have no sin, guess what? We're, we are the liar. God's not the liar. So that's what he's saying there in verse 10. So we have fellowship with God when we become Christians. Jesus Christ's blood, the atoning sacrifice for our sins, it washes away our sins, Acts twenty-two sixteen. when we are baptized. Well, um, we need to understand then that we have fellowship with God, and that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's it's closeness with God. It's, it's a, a relationship with God. It's friendship with God. But the next thing I want us to notice is that we cannot be friends with the world anymore. Now, I'm not saying that you can't be around people who are of the world. Of course, you have to be around them in order to convert them. But what I'm saying is we can't preferentially uh, treat the world like our friends when really uh, the, the true friends that we should have should be our fellow Christians and and we should be friends with God, if you will. So there's a verse in, in uh, James chapter 4, James chapter 4, verse 4, that talks about this concept. I want to point that out now. James 4, verse 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses. I think that's talking about spiritual adultery, uh, just being at odds with God, essentially. Certainly uh, physical adultery, the actual act of adultery, would be included in that. But this is more of a broad spiritual term here. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Well, we don't want to be enemies of God anymore. Sin made us enemies of God, but Jesus' blood reconciled us to God. Well, if we go back into sin, or uh, as this says, if we are friends of the world, we're worldly, then that puts us at odds with God again, and we don't want that. I also want to look at 1 John 2, verses 15 and 16. 
1 John 2, verses 15 and 16 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. We can't be worldly and be Christians, not faithful Christians, certainly. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 says, But uh, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's a fellowship thing. Being yoked together with an unbeliever is putting yourself in fellowship with an unbeliever. We can't do that. In fact, he says, For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? You see, righteousness and unrighteousness, light and darkness, those things are diametrically opposed to one another. So we can't have fellowship with those things, with, uh, with the light, with the darkness rather, and the unrighteousness. We can't have fellowship with those because we are to be children of light. We are to be children of righteousness. All right, so that is the idea of not having fellowship with the world. But finally, I want us to discuss having fellowship with fellow Christians. First, you need to understand that the church is a spiritual family. In fact, Ephesians 2 verse 19 describes the church as the household of God. That is, a family. If one member suffers, we all suffer. If one member is honored, then all members rejoice with it. That's what is taught in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 26. So we are a spiritual family. Well, if we are that tight-knit family that we're supposed to be, then what does that mean? That means that we're going to want to spend quality time together as a Christian family. And dare I say that we want to spend quality time outside of worship services. I would say yes, we should. Certainly we're going to see each other and we're going to assemble faithfully at worship services, but really we need to spend time together outside of worship services as well. I know that we're all very busy and certainly that is a factor, but at the same time, can't we all spend a little bit more time together? I think about how this pandemic that is currently still ongoing in the United States and, and around the world, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, I think about how that has affected people and it's really forced us to slow way down. I'm hoping that when all of this subsides that people will continue to slow their pace a little bit and spend more quality time together. And certainly that would include Christians. I want to turn and read Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, when the church was established, I want us to look beginning in verse 41, and I want to see how those Christians were acting after they were converted. Acts 2 verses 41 and following says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and, notice this, fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, notice, together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. You're not going to do that for just anybody. You do that for family. And this was a spiritual family. They were together. They were common, and, and they were taking care of one another's needs. Verse 46, and they continuing, notice this, daily 
with one accord, one sense of purpose, in the temple and breaking bread, notice this, from house to house. They spent time together daily in each other's houses. Did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Can you imagine the encouragement daily as they met together in each other's houses? They had gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Well, what can we learn from that? Well, I think we can learn that that is absolutely a wonderful definition of fellowship. That's the kind of fellowship that we should have with one another. Well, unfortunately, I think sometimes we're not the family that we should be. We're perhaps not as tight-knit as we should be. Perhaps we don't spend a lot of time together outside of worship services. I would like to encourage you to do something that perhaps you've never done before. Maybe you have, and if so, that's great. Keep on doing it. But maybe you've never invited a church member or a church family to your home. I would encourage you to think about what kind of impact you could have in your congregation if you were to do that. Perhaps invite two or three families over and have a game night, uh, have a devotional together. Do something in such a way that it fosters spiritual growth and togetherness and singleness of heart. So invite people to your home. I think you'll find that that will really make a a wonderful impact in in the uh, local congregation where you are at. Well, there's one last thing that I want us to discuss regarding fellowship, and that is that sometimes fellowship, sadly, has to be withdrawn from. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul talks about one who was openly, uh, with, with no shame, committing fornication with his father's wife, so perhaps a stepmom. And this man, as I said, just had no shame. Well, Paul told them that they were not to keep company with fornicators. And they were not to to eat with him. They were not to allow this sin to spread by showing their approval. We need to make sure that we're not showing approval to sin by just sweeping things under the rug and ignoring sin in one another's lives. In 2 Timothy 3 verse 5, we're told to turn away from those who have a form of godliness, but they deny the life-changing power of the gospel. So in other words, they appear to be a Christian, but when you actually examine their life, you find that they're living just like everybody else. They're continuing to live in sin. And then 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 6 says that we are to withdraw from every brother that walks disorderly. Friends, there is something called church discipline that in many places is not really practiced. But you know the Bible tells us that we are commanded to do so. Now that's not something that's pleasant. It's not something that comes easily, but we should do it. We should do it because we love our brethren and and we want to help their souls. I want to look at one more passage, and that is Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. This is perhaps the most well-known passage regarding church discipline, the idea of a brother trespassing against you and let's say he refuses to repent. Well, there's steps that we have to take in order to uh, withdraw from such a brother. Let's look at Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, that is, sin against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Go tell him, you sinned against me. 
and uh, don't sweep it under the rug. You know, go and talk it out. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Wonderful, wonderful thing. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, then in the mouth that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Let's get this cleared up. Let's make sure that the the truth is going to be found out. Let's find out what's going on, and hopefully this brother will repent. But verse seventeen, and if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. In other words, a blatant sinner. That's how you need to treat such a person who refuses to repent if he sinned against you. In other words, uh, he's, he's a worldly person. We're not to be friends uh, of the world or with the world. So he is to be as a heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. These last few verses talking about the common bond that Christians have. And this bond with two or three Christians gathered together, Christ is with us. And certainly Christ will be with us when we have to go through hard times like this and deal with an erring brother a brother who has trespassed against us. Uh, Christ is going to be with us through that difficult process of trying to reclaim them, trying to gain them back, as he has shown us to do in Matthew chapter 18, 1 Corinthians 5, 2 Timothy 3 verse 5, 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 6, and a few other passages. So again, sometimes fellowship has to be withdrawn from it, and that can be a Really a gut-wrenching process, a, a very sad process, but it's a necessary process so that hopefully we can regain the erring brother or sister. Well, I have a question for you. How can we effectively do this? That is, how can we effectively try to bring a brother or sister back who has been withdrawn from if we didn't really have very good fellowship with them to begin with? Do you see what I'm saying? If we're not really a tight-knit spiritual family that we should be, and if the process of withdrawing fellowship isn't really that painful, because, well, I don't care. I didn't have a relationship with you anyway. If that's the case, then church discipline is not going to be nearly as effective as God intended it to be. Therefore, we need to make sure that we are that tight-knit, close spiritual family through fellowship that God wants us to be. That's our lesson for today. I certainly hope that you are enjoying the podcast. I'm enjoying putting the podcast together, and I appreciate those who are helping this podcast grow. At the time of this recording, we've almost hit 400 likes on Facebook, and I really appreciate that. That that has really encouraged me. It shows me that this is uh, getting out there, and uh, we've got a lot of of uh, good numbers on on the downloads. We've got over twenty five, I think twenty six, if I remember right, twenty six different states have uh, have downloaded our podcast. And uh, some of the hot spots, if you will, where a lot of people have been listening, it seems, are Louisiana, where I'm recording this from, uh, Texas, Georgia. 
Oklahoma and uh, North Carolina and uh, Michigan. So uh, those are some of the places that really seem to have uh, taken a liking to the podcast. And so just a shout out if you're listening in those places. And there are many other places that people have been listening as well. And so I really do greatly appreciate that. Uh, Here's another thing. We've actually been listened to in a few foreign countries too. Of course, the majority of our downloads have been in the United States, but I noticed that we have a few in Canada. I've noticed uh, we've had one in Costa Rica. We've had one in India, and we've had one in Taiwan, too. And so I'm just thrilled to death that uh, the gospel is is spreading in all those different parts of the world. And I certainly hope that this will continue to grow, and you have encouraged me by listening to this podcast. And I would ask that if you could, please like and uh, share my podcast on Facebook and uh, make a comment, help this podcast grow some more. I really do appreciate that very, very much. So again, uh, I appreciate you for listening to this podcast. Let me talk about next week's episode. Uh, We're going to continue our series on casual Christianity or dedicated discipleship. We're going to talk about service, serving others. Certainly Jesus taught us to serve others. I want to talk about that. And then we'll have one more episode after that, and that will be it for season one, Lord willing. We'll talk about evangelism for that episode. So I appreciate you for listening to the Everyday Christian Podcast. You've been listening to the Everyday Christian Podcast with Chase Green. As always, remember, God deserves every praise from every creature every day. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Stand firm in your resolve to be an everyday Christian.